0: If you've gained some weight and don't feel like your normal self, it is very common for someone to blame your testosterone levels. And you may be right, kind of. See, your testosterone levels may be low, but actually may be coming from gaining extra weight. In this episode of the podcast, we talk all about how obesity and testosterone are linked and why it's so important to know. Thanks, everybody, for stopping by. This is the Building Lifelong Athletes Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Renneke. Thanks so much for stopping by. I really appreciate it. Talking all about obesity and testosterone and how they're linked today. So let's get started. So overall, looking at obesity as, is it a cause of low testosterone? So previous episodes, we've talked all about primary or secondary hypogonadism, right? So a real quick reminder is that primary, we're going to have an issue at the testes that's causing this low testosterone or hypogonadism, whereas secondary hypogonadism is a problem somewhere else upstream, either the hypothalamus or pituitary. And the reason I want to mention that once again is because here, obesity, a lot of times this is more of a secondary issue. So a lot of times we have excess adiposity leading to issues with low testosterone. And so the secondary ones are the ones that are more common in everyday clinic. And obesity is actually the leading cause that I see as well. And it's also a type of secondary. So once again, very important. And about 52 percent of all obese men have testosterone less than 300 nanograms per deciliter and why do we care about that well 300 nanograms per deciliter that's about that cutoff where we start saying hey you might have low testosterone if you have symptoms once again the diagnosis of hypogonadism is not just low testosterone it's low testosterone and symptoms but that being said more than half of those people who have obesity tend to have testosterone less than 300 so right then and there we need to care about it and why do we care so much well because lots of people claim that their testosterone is low right well but is that actually true meaning like, hey this low testosterone testosterone that's causing all these issues is that true we're not sure you know if we fix the underlying obesity problem will we improve the testosterone levels that's kind of what we're going to dive in and talk about a little bit as well but like i said we also care about this because if you do have low testosterone regardless of how it happened there can be numerous health problems and some studies even shown there's an association between low testosterone and increased mortality now i am not saying that that is causal let me repeat that again i am not saying that having low testosterone is causing people to have increased mortality. Most likely, it's that people who have low testosterone have other medical issues, right? Other comorbidities, and that is what's causing the issue. So like I said, that is a fantastic example of saying, oh, correlation equals causation, but no, a lot of times people who have lower testosterone tend to have things like obesity, diabetes, stuff like that, all those things that would lower testosterone and they have a high risk of having higher mortality so like i said that's the differentiation there but we care because it might be sometimes we can use the testosterone as kind of a canary in the coal mine right we say hey we are seeing low testosterone with these other comorbidities that might be telling us hey we're not as metabolically optimized as we want to be and so looking at obesity it's the single most important factor associated with low testosterone even overriding age and other comorbidities so Obviously, there's no definitive way to know. You can't randomize, control someone and say, hey, like you have obesity and you have just low testosterone and you have age. Like that, we can't do that. But it seems like when we do the analysis that when we factor out and look things, that obesity is the most important factor with it. The question though is, does it actually disrupt the hypothalamic pituitary testicular axis, right? We talked about the HPT axis previously. Understand, you know, hypothalamus, the pituitary, the testicle, all that, how it produces testosterone, LHFSH, all that stuff. Does having obesity actually disrupt this axis? Well, they've shown that men with a BMI around 30 to 40 tend to have lower testosterone levels. And sometimes they can actually have it as much as 50% decrease compared to non obese age match control. So that's quite a bit, 50% lower. But they don't seem to have a decreased LH and FSH. So they seem to have a normal LH, FSH, and actually a normal free testosterone. And so we don't quite see a reduction in everything like we would mainly expect. And also they've done studies where they've tried to stress these people in terms of giving them either GnRH, FSH, or LH. And they still have a normal response to testosterone, right? So if you give someone GnRH or LH, you're going to expect an increase in testosterone. And we still see that saying that their HPT axis is still intact. However, when we start going up to a BMI about greater than 40, then we start to see a a low total and free testosterone, and sometimes we also see some issues with um, the LH and FSH as well. So getting up towards 40, we start to see some issues potentially, or maybe showing some signs of the HPT axis being disrupted. However, it is also worth mentioning that all groups still appear to have normal sperm function. And so in terms of fertility, it seems like obviously it can impact it, but it doesn't look like it's a slam dunk guarantee. So overall, it doesn't look like there's a real androgen deficiency until we get to around the BMI 40, but that's also not rock solid. And so once again, it's saying that we're not completely shutting anything down in terms of like, oh, we've completely shut down the HPT axis, but the higher we get with the obesity, the more we tend to tend towards that and kind of shift towards that. So it's something to think about. And so you might be saying, well, isn't it just age? Like, Are we all doomed that as we age, we're going to have low testosterone? Well, once again, it does seem that overall obesity is the most important factor. And there's studies showing that obesity seems to be more important than other age or comorbidities, like I've mentioned before. However, it would I would be lying if I did said that age didn't play a role. It does seem to play a role. It seems that when you age, you are more susceptible to obesity associated with suppression than when you're young, otherwise healthy men. So what I'm saying is, when you are aging and you are a little older, you are more susceptible to obesity having a bigger impact on you, right? So there's some people, you know, the healthy at any size movement mean that, hey, you can be healthy at any weight. And that is, that is true to an extent, but what you're doing is you're setting yourself up for potential failure. Because a lot of times when you are younger, you have more essentially reserves, right? You're more metabolically flexible. Things like this example saying, hey, you can have obesity and still be okay. Like your hormones are not that abnormally yet or anything like that but as you age you seem to be more sensitive to that so maybe you have the same body fat percentage same you know, fat distribution. And as you age, you might slowly, slowly start to see a change because you just become more sensitive to those issues. So that's what we're saying a lot of times the age has, you know, a factor to play with that. And having obesity does seem to impact your risk of having that. And then as you age, it becomes compounded on top of that. And so we're saying, okay, Jordan, you're talking a lot about obesity. You're talking a lot about testosterone. Does obesity cause low testosterone or does low testosterone actually cause obesity? Because that is a pretty common claim. People saying like, oh, I've gained all less weight because my testosterone is low. Well, the question is like, what came first, the chicken or the egg, right? It's really 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 tough to determine that, right? Did your low testosterone cause your weight gain or did your weight gain cause low testosterone? Not necessarily 100% sure on that, but it does seem that obesity is associated with a more rapid age-related decline in testosterone, but also testosterone may predict future weight gain. So once again, they do kind of go hand in hand. It seems somewhat bi-directional, meaning that we can have it both ways. But overall, the general consensus is that probably there's a little bit more of effect on obesity in terms of obesity on testosterone than low testosterone on adiposity. So we kind of think overall, if we had to step back and say, hey, this is causing other, we think that most likely it's the increased adiposity and increased obesity that is having a bigger effect on the testosterone as opposed to the other way around. And so what is the mechanism though of how obesity causes low testosterone? Well, like most things, we're not exactly sure, which is a really disappointing answer. You know, nobody likes hearing, oh yeah, we're not sure, but we we were not sure on this. There's a couple of things that we think about though. We can kind of reverse engineer the hypothesis as to what's going on because we know that weight loss can reverse these issues. So if we think about it, it's most likely playing some sort of role with excess adipose tissue, right? So excess adipose tissue, we know that when we lose weight, we tend to resolve a lot of these problems. So there's something going on with the adipose tissue that is leading to this. And so let's dive a little bit more into specifically what adipose tissue does. You know, we used to think that it was just inert, right? Like it's just there, fat's just there and just hangs out and stores calories and energy. Well, that is not true at all, it does have an important role in lots of different things. Specifically, a couple of the things we're gonna talk about are how it plays a role with estrogen, a chemical called leptin and then pro-inflammatory cytokines as well. First, estrogen. We've talked about estrogen before and how it's critically important, how everybody, both males and females, they all need estrogen. So once, once again, our guys can't just be like, I don't want estrogen. It's very important. But those who have obesity tend to have higher estrogen levels and then the estrogen may play a role in a negative feedback on the HPT axis. So we've talked about the idea of negative feedback, meaning, hey, once you have enough of something, you radio back to the start saying, hey, we're good, stop making what you got, I got what I need. So essentially what they're saying is when we have this increased estrogen, which if you remember, Adipose tissue can convert testosterone to estrogen through aromatase, so we're converting more testosterone to estrogen. So when we have more estrogen, your body's saying, "Hey, I've got all I need. Let's go back, you know, upstream and say we're good. Pump the brakes." And that may lead to part of the reason why we have um, a decrease in testosterone, because essentially estrogen's saying, "Hey, we're good. Like we got all we need." Another chemical we talked about is leptin, so you might have heard of leptin before. It promotes satiety and increases metabolism in the body, and it acts at the hypothalamus, so up in the brain, but can also act on muscles and the pancreatic beta cells, and what happens and we find is that obese men typically are leptin-resistant and have elevated levels, so once again, when they mean leptin-resistant, what that means is, well, we have more, more leptin going up. Your body's making it and saying, hey, normally this thing calms it down. Normally, this promotes satiety and increases in metabolism, but uh the stuff that i made previously is not working so i need to make more so that's why we're having more and more leptin made and have elevated levels but we're not getting the same response right so that satiety response is kind of calmed down and we're not having an increase in our metabolism like we normally have with that and so there is a possibility that there's hypothalamic resistance to leptin which leads to suppression of the hpt axis once again so if we're saying hey we have lots and lots of leptin uh, our body's essentially not getting the signal to say hey slow down in terms of eating we're not having a satiety and that may be playing a role on obesity as well and then also may um, decrease in terms of lead to HPT axis suppression so once again we're suppressing things at the hypothalamus level then next going downstream to the testosterone and we're not getting testosterone put out so that being said we can see that and that being said we do find that when we administer testosterone it can decrease leptin so kind of goes hand in hand there and then we're also going to talk about pro-inflammatory cytokines we've talked about cytokines all the time with in heart disease and there's cytokines everywhere they are responsible for lots of different things specifically there's a couple of them called tumor necrosis factor alpha and interleukin 6 so tnf alpha and il-6 are the more common names there seems to be an inverse relationship with these and testosterone meaning that when you have lower testosterone you tend to have higher levels of inflammatory cytokines so once again we are showing that having excess adipose tissue is not inert and having that actually leads to a pro-inflammatory state. And so that's really important to know. And these cytokines in and of themselves may also suppress the HPT access at the hypothalamus and at the lytic cells. So a couple of different spots. And so these pro-inflammatory cytokines, once again, shut the brakes on testosterone production saying, hey, we're good, calm it down. And then also when we're in this pro-inflammatory state, it can contribute to insulin resistance as well. And so lots of not good things going on. And one final thing I want to talk about is adiponectin, which is a specific hormone that's secreted by adipose cells and typically helps with glucose and lipid metabolism and is associated with protection of cardiovascular disease and insulin resistance. And so, what we see here is, like I said, this adiponectin, kind of funny word, we do see decreased levels in obesity. So when we have a normal body weight person, we tend to have more of it. And that's good because it helps us process glucose and lipids and all that stuff and decrease the risk for cardiovascular disease. But when we have obesity, we tend to see uh, less of it. So we want more of around, we have less of it. It's kind of the opposite. The other ones like leptin, we see more of it and we want less of it. And this one, we see less of it and we want more of it. I hope you're not thoroughly confused up. Next, I want to talk about sex hormone binding globulin, which we've talked about before, how this is a big player in carrying testosterone throughout the body. So we need SHGB to kind of get testosterone around to where we need to go to kind of have its effects. But we can find that certain conditions can lead to either reduction or increase in SHGB, which we've talked about in previous podcasts. But obesity, we tend to see a reduction in SHGB with obesity. This is thought to be due to hyperinsulinemia. So when we have more insulin, kind of leads to this decrease in SHGB. And then SHGB is also a strong predictor of type 2 diabetes when it's low. So once again, we do not love seeing low SHGB because that can have a whole host of associations that are not great. Typically what happens is your liver secretes SHGB in the blood and then it binds with testosterone and helps regulate its bioavailability, right? So when we have these things like the SHGB and the albumin, testosterone on it and kind of circulating around the blood, just waiting for saying, hey, I need some testosterone here. And then it's able to release it so it comes bioavailable and use it. And if we have less of the SHGB, so lower levels of that, it means that there's going to be less total testosterone in the circulation. And so if there's less in circulation, there's less for you to, you know, do your normal things and kind of can lead to the hypo um, gonadal state. And so that's what we're thinking about there. Why a low, you know, decreasing SHGB, it's kind of counterintuitive because some people are like, well, if I have lower SHGB, shouldn't that just give me more free testosterone? And it doesn't seem to work like that in terms of, hey, just it it free things up. Sometimes it can, but in the setting of obesity specifically, having a lower SHGB tends to have a decrease in uh, total testosterone. And so a million dollar question we have is, does weight loss improve testosterone levels? Well, yes. Yes, it does, and it seems to be proportional to the amount of weight that is lost. For example, in bariatric surgery, it's shown to increase testosterone about 250 nanograms per deciliter, and also increases free testosterone and gonadotropins, which may be a signaling that we're actually returning the HPT access. If you're getting bariatric surgery, a lot of times our BMI is above 40. So we've talked about previously, that's when we start to see that threshold of "Ah, ads actually might be kind of suppressing the HPT axis. But we're seeing that with bariatric surgery, we're having a significant amount of weight loss. We can increase our testosterone up to 250 nanograms per deciliter and kind of signaling that we're starting the HPT axis back. So it does seem like Losing weight does have effect on testosterone in a very positive way. Another question people will commonly ask about is, you know, what does testosterone do on body composition? So we're talking about adiposity and obesity. Well, what does testosterone do on body composition? Well, mechanisms, once again, unclear, but may have a role with in terms of how it inhibits uh, lipolysis or stimulates lipolysis, decreases lipogenesis and inhibiting lipid uptake. So lots of things with lipid. Also maybe through the protein lipoprotein lipase, which usually increases fatty acid uptake. So I'm not necessarily sure, but overall, testosterone may not actually decrease weight in people. And this is really important, is we may not see a change in the weight of people, but it does seem to have impact on body composition changes. And so you might be like, well, what good does that matter? Like, why do I care about that? Well, if your weight stays the same, but your fat mass went down, but your lean mass increased and you're the same weight, that's a much better situation to be in, right? So we're having more lean tissue, which is good, which is a reservoir for a whole bunch of, positive things in life and we're getting rid of that some of that fat tissue we've talked about which has lots of negative things like the pro-inflammatory cytokines so overall it may the treatment of testosterone may reduce fat mass and increase lean mass however it's not sure that like said, we're going to change the weight but like said, so that's favorable but at the end of the day it does not show it's not consistent in the literature that this change actually leads to decreased insulin resistance right so that's a big thing is that, hey if you're insulin resistant and you have some body composition changes that is good and it's not bad like that's not bad but it may not actually like reverse that insulin resistance so but we do see that we really start to see glucose metabolism issues when the testosterone gets below 230 or around that area. So may not see a lot of that before that. So there may be a moot point meaning, Hey, I'm, I'm, my testosterone's 300, 350, and I'm on it. I take testosterone. Like you may not see incredible improvement in your insulin resistance because it might not be super low, if that makes sense in terms of how do we treat this then, right? So how do we treat this issue where it's obesity linked to low testosterone and vice versa? Well, every single person that you should be talking to should be harping on lifestyle factors that's super important if you, you know, are talking with someone who the first thing they say is, yeah, when you start you on medications, absolutely. And you don't have other, some other condition, like a primary, or anything like that, like I said. But if they're saying, hey, this is related to, you know, excess weight or whatnot, and they say, yeah, you're absolutely just going. And we've talked about some places to look out for here, meaning if they checked one afternoon value and said you had low testosterone and immediately want to start you on medications, that would be, that would give me pause for sure. That'd be a place I'd say, hey, am I in the right spot here? Are they looking, really looking out for the best interest in, in me or they kind of have a, another ulterior motive? But everybody's going to be different. Everyone should be harping on lifestyle factors, regardless of your initial etiology of the hypogonism, always going to harp on that. And we'll have another podcast all about, you know, lifestyle factors and how to increase testosterone. But first things first, like we talked about, weight loss is going to be a staple in our treatment plan. So like we talked about before, decreased adipocytes or it's like decreased fat is going to lead to decreased aromatase, which means there's going to be less estrogen and less feedback at the HPT access. So if we have less estrogen, that's going to kind of hopefully calm things down and not inhibit things as much and get that cycle started back up with HPT access. Also, said if we decrease our fat stores, we're going to have decreased inflammatory cytokines. So that's really good. And in most men, you'll start to see an increase in testosterone with about a 10% weight loss. So like I said, not easy, not like, hey, I did this in a week, but it is doable to do that. However, the one problem, like all weight loss studies, is that most of the time when people have weight loss, that it's really hard to lose it and then even harder to maintain it. So it's kind of an uphill battle. And then on top of that, low testosterone may be contributing to things like fatigue, which makes it even harder. So pretty much you're saying like, hey, I'm in this rut, I've gained weight, I have low testosterone, and it may make it harder for you to gain weight or to lose weight because you're saying, I'm already fatigued because of this. And then just in general, we know how difficult it is to lose and maintain weight loss. And so like, I said, it's kind of an uphill battle. But I'm never going to say we're not going to do it. You know, just because something's challenging, it doesn't mean it's, I'm not going to talk about it. I still think it's the right thing. And every single person, if they have increased adiposity or obesity and they say, hey, I have low testosterone, like my first thing is going to be like, hey, well, let's work really hard. Let's try to lose some weight and see if we can't reverse this. Just, in, just doing that. So. Another thing that we talk about is sleep, how important sleep is. Like I said, it's so crucial. I talk about it all the time. It's so, so, so important. Specifically, though, obstructive sleep apnea. So OSA, this is seen a lot of times in patients who have obesity. As your neck circumference gets larger, there's more tissue to push down. That can make it harder for air to travel when you're sleeping. And it sounds like OSA can lead to decreased serum testosterone, most likely through nighttime hypoxia as a mechanism. And so that's what kind of we're saying. And the one th- question people have is then, okay, well, I have obesity. Can you just treat me with testosterone like for weight loss? And shouldn't I be doing that? And there was a nice randomized controlled trial that looked at compared a low calorie diet and either testosterone or a placebo. And both groups lost similar amounts of weight and kept it off for 46 weeks. So that kind of went out 46 weeks both of them lost similar amounts of weight. However, like we talked about previously, the testosterone group had a greater reduction in fat mass, and, but they preserved their lean mass better. So once again, consistent with what we talked about before, when we lose weight, you know that's not necessarily a good thing. Here, we're losing weight, which is good, but we're also maintaining more of that lean mass, which is really important. And like I said, that's what we're looking for, and testosterone does seem to help with that. And then, But once again, these body composition changes didn't seem to affect glucose metabolism. And once again, um, multiple reasons for why that may be happening, but it's not a guarantee that, hey, if we improve our body composition, so will our, our insulin resistance improve. And like I said, it also did seem to help in terms of the testosterone for constitutional symptoms like fatigue. What they did then they stopped obviously after a while and 20 weeks after stopping the body composition changed and didn't stick they kind of tend to tend back to what they're doing so you know, no real surprise there when you stop doing intervention it's very difficult for people to maintain something it went back to kind of their previous level and then also it is worth mentioning that these subjects typically had a total testosterone less than 200 so this is very specific to them in terms that's a very low level and it may be you know kind of muddying the waters but i'm never going to say this to like try to discourage people but like i said we just know it's hard it's hard to maintain weight loss to lose weight in general and then maintain it very challenging to do and so that's you know finding that is like the million dollar thing right if we can find a way that you can have weight loss and and maintain it that is key that is key so overall my take on this like said there's very clear and undeniable evidence that obesity has a big role on testosterone levels however it doesn't explain everything so we don't want to use it as a crutch right it's very easy for people to say hey like oh, you're, you're obese you have obesity and that's it like that's the reason you have low testosterone like I said that said, i'd never want to do that because people can have multiple reasons for things right you can have obesity and maybe something else going on and so lots of times though like we have to just open our you know kind of minds up to think hey don't just anchor on this one thing but that being said that is the most common thing so that is a piece of the puzzle and i will always address that like i said i would never say hey i'm not gonna address that because right in front of us we know that that does have a big role in it and so there are lots of times though where if we tweak things out in terms of changing our lifestyle, right? That's the first thing I'll always talk about is harp, harp, harp on lifestyle changes. Lifestyle and diet, exercise, sleep. And a lot of times that's all we need. You know, that may incur some weight loss and that may regain our normal testosterone level and we feel better. So like that's the first thing that we need to do because a lot of times that's the only thing we need to do. That being said though, weight loss is a cornerstone of treatment. And like I said, with anybody with obesity and low testosterone, and I will prescribe, you know, if we need to prescribe medications for weight loss, we can do that. But like I said, there's lots of reasons for why we need to be looking for other reasons as well. But that being said, if you have obesity and we wanna lose some weight, I think that'd be very, very important and will be helpful. And the question that people ask is like, well, can you prescribe testosterone for weight loss? And I wouldn't specifically do that, right? If you have normal testosterone and you just have obesity, I will not be prescribing testosterone. There just doesn't seem to be good data on that. You have to have an individualized conversation, though, right? And if someone does have low testosterone, though, that may be something you think about in terms of, hey, this may help with body composition changes, but it also has to be in the concept of, hey, we're also having lifestyle changes as well and have to have other symptoms, right? So once again, this is like someone who just checks their testosterone and it happens to be quote-unquote low. They have no symptoms, but they also have obesity. Like I'm not just starting someone on testosterone. It's like we've talked about in previous episodes, someone who has you know, significant decreases in libido or something like that who also has low testosterone, then we're kind of talking about that. And overall, though, testosterone is just not a catch-all and it doesn't seem to be a magic, right? It doesn't necessarily reverse your insulin resistance. It doesn't seem to just magically make you a bodybuilder you still have to put in work. and But it can be a part of a treatment for someone who has Once again, lifestyle changes will always be the first thing I harp on. And I always explain people treatment, like I have this treatment pyramid for most things. So it's a big pyramid here. At the base of the pyramid is like what the the biggest chunk is right it's kind of the structure it's the base it like gives it a stability and that's going to be lifestyle changes for almost every single thing I talk about in this podcast or as a physician most of the time it's here obviously there's other things we can do but like I said lifestyle is like Number one, the biggest thing on the base. And then up there, we start talking about different medications, right? So whether that's weight loss medications, whether that's testosterone, there's different things and say, And the reason I'm always so judicious about this, right? Some people are like, what the heck? Like, just give me testosterone. Why don't I do that? Well, no medication is benign. There's always risks to every medication you're giving. So I want to make sure that everyone understands that and is okay with that risk, but understand that, hey, if we can do this without occurring risk, meaning, hey, if we exercise, there's so many benefits to exercise and eating well that have like very, very, very negligible risks in terms of obviously there's risk for everything, but way smaller than any sort of medication. And I'm gonna choose that, you know? And then if we need to, we can start stacking on medications, but that's something I always wanna talk about. But overall, that is the end of this week's podcast. Thanks so much for stopping by, I really appreciate it. If you'd enjoyed this, if you could leave a five-star review or share this with a friend, that would really be helpful in getting the word out. I'd appreciate it. But once again, thanks for spending your time with me. Now get up your phone, get outside, enjoy the rest of your day. We'll see you next time. Disclaimer, this podcast is for entertainment, education, and informational purposes only. The topics discussed should not solely be used to diagnose, treat, or prevent any condition. The information presented here was created with an evidence-based approach, but please keep in mind that science is always changing, and at the time of listening to this, there may be some new data that makes this information incomplete or inaccurate. Always seek the advice of your personal physician or qualified healthcare provider for questions regarding any medical condition.